Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us today is the founder of 321gold and 321energy.com and the author of two of my personal favorite books, The Art of Peace and Nobody Knows Anything, Bob Moriarty. Sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's good to talk to you. You know, Bob, when we last spoke, we discussed your book, The Art of Peace, in which you foresaw the president-elect Trump winning the election, and we discussed the shadow government. As we move forward to today, the headlines in the news are suggesting that the election was rigged. Now, President Obama and the Democrats, they weren't nearly as vocal about the, the coup to try to change voters internally from Bernie Sanders to Hillary Clinton as they are about Russia. Now, respectfully, uh, these are both massive election frauds. Is there more to the story than we're being told? Well, there's actually less to the story. That's what's so interesting. Uh, speaking as a guy who forecast this a year ago, and if you reread the last page of the Art of Peace, I suggested that we were going to have a worldwide revolution, and indeed it had started. But as a former intelligence officer in Vietnam for two years, uh, I can assure you with enormous confidence there isn't a lick of evidence suggesting the Russians had anything to do with those hacks, and that was an effort on the part of the DNC, Hillary Clinton, and John Podesta to, to blame someone else for their sins. Now, if you go back and you reread those uh, numerous, numerous examples of election fraud, uh, Bernie Sanders had the election stolen from him by the DNC, by John Podesta, and by Hillary Clinton. And everybody's ignoring the very real fraud, and they're saying, well, the Russians hacked us. Well, we have conclusive proof that the Russians had nothing to do with hacking the election process. And indeed, there was no indication they had anything to do with the election process. But let's step back for just a little bit. Take a wild stab. What country in the world has tried to affect more elections in other countries than any other in the last 70 years? That would be the United States. Exactly. So we're guilty of fraud, of overthrowing a democratically elected government in Iran in 1953 and Guatemala in 1954. We tried to overthrow and assassinate Castro hundreds of times. We, uh, we ran a coup d'etat in the Ukraine and put in a, a well, put in a criminal government. It's that simple. We overthrew the democratically elected government. We tried to affect the government in Iran. We tried to affect the government of Russia. So what happens when Hillary Clinton loses? We blame the Russians. Now that's absurd. It truly is. And you know, Bob, you and I were just speaking offline before the interview. It seems like there's revolutions occurring throughout the world right now. Can you discuss that a little further? Yeah, well, they're, they're all related. Okay, Venezuela is falling apart economically, so so they're making cash literally illegal. Uh, India is falling apart, so they're making cash illegal. The biggest banks in Italy are going to go under shortly. 
and this revolution that I predicted a year ago is coming true. Now, here's what's important. The media, the powers that be, have lost control of the narrative. Now, the very first war that was ever started by the news media was the Spanish-American War in 1897. William Randolph Hearst and Joseph Pulitzer had, had competing newspapers in New York City, and they knew that war was good for selling newspapers, and they literally created a war out of whole cloth, and they blamed the Spanish for sinking the, the Maine when it absolutely didn't happen, and uh, we went to war. Now, the Washington Post and the New York Times have said they believe they should tell Americans what to believe. Well, that, that doesn't work anymore. We've got the alternative media. The article in, in the Washington Post on November 24th was really interesting because a site that nobody ever heard of before comes out and identifies 200 different websites as, as purveyors of fake news. Well, a very funny thing is the Washington Post is the biggest purveyor of fake news in the United States. So they've lost control of the narrative. They're a paper tiger. They're losing all their power. And the world is changing. You know, it's, it's quite interesting. Again, as we were speaking offline, all the events that are occurring right now, you know, we just noticed as well that uh, the ambassador uh, from Russia was just assassinated as well. That's scary. That's very scary. That would have been at, at the orders of the president of Turkey, Ergodin, and the Russians will react. And we, and again, right now it's too you know, too early to tell who did the assassination. But just from no, it's not. I mean, here's what's crazy. Don't go to the media and figure out what's going on. We've got to stop doing that because the media has proven they're lying all of the time. Think about what makes sense, okay? Now, Russia has defeated ISIS in, in Aleppo, and the really strange thing is, who is the biggest purveyor of, of money and arms? That would be Turkey. So, literally, uh, Russia defeated Turkey in Syria, and Turkey's getting even. That was an assassination, and... Uh, We'll, we'll never find out. The guy will disappear, and the Turkish government will say he escaped or we shot him or something. But that was a state assassination. Well, you know, I find that interesting because I have a different perspective. I can foresee with uh, President Obama, with his recent remarks regarding Russia, um, that this could be tied into the United States possibly conducting the assassination. I can easily foresee that, but... Uh, as you mentioned, you're... Uh, that could well be, but at the same time, this is in Turkey, and the guy in charge of the assassins and false flags in Turkey is not the United States, it's Ergodon. You know, I find Russia to be quite intriguing, Bob. Um, they seem to be seizing on the opportunity of progressive, you know, which to me is regressive, leadership from the United States. Will this change under President-elect Trump? Uh, I'm going to tell you, yes, I think it has to. There are some things that are very dangerous. I mean, the the Chinese have just thrown the gauntlet down in front of the Americans by seizing the underwater drone. But the 
America's relationship with the rest of the world is about to change in a, a very dramatic way. But this idea that we should demonize Putin, we should demonize Russia, is, is a very negative thing to do and a very foolish thing to do. And I think the United States could pay a big price for doing that. Uh, Obama is looking like a bigger loser every day. He's whining. He's threatening Russia. Uh, Obamacare is, is a giant failure. And uh, the world has changed. You know, you mentioned China here earlier. Uh, what I find interesting was if you go back 15 years ago, 16 years ago, when uh, President Bush took office, we had the spy plane that was intercepted by the Chinese. And it's just funny how there's a correlation uh, with the uh, a Republican administration coming in that we have events unfolding with China and, and drones and a spy plane. Just, I find it unique. I don't know what the correlation is, but I, I was thinking of that as you were alluding to that. Well, interestingly enough, the, the drone was not conducting underwater surveys like the United States says. It was a spy mission on Chinese submarines, and the Chinese made it abundantly clear to the United States, we don't want you doing that. So uh, I find it very funny that they just smacked Obama in the face, and he, he, he's just simply not in a position to do anything about it. Which goes back to the question I had with regards to leadership, and, or the statement I should say I had with, with regards to leadership. Um, let's discuss some economic events that are occurring around the world. Now, you alluded to them briefly here, but uh, I've conducted a number of interviews with Giant Bhandari. He's the host of the highly acclaimed Capitalism and Morality regarding India's pursuit of becoming a cashless society or demonetizing. But India is not alone. You know, Venezuela is moving in the same direction, but you believe someone else may be heading towards the same path. Can you expand on this a little bit further? Well, first of all, Jay is a good friend of mine, and I think it's brilliant that you've done an interview with him. He needs a lot more exposure. He's a very bright guy, and certainly as an Indian, he understands India. But what you're seeing is the death throes of governments that have had an unlimited ability to print and spend money since uh, August 15th of 1971. And it's in the very last days. Now, here's the key. There is an absolute limit to what governments could spend. Now, people aren't going to believe that, but, but here's why it's true. It is not the amount of taxes that a government collects that's important. It's the amount of money that they spend. Because everything they spend, they have to collect. And they can collect it in one of three ways. They can collect it in taxes, they can collect it in inflation, or they can simply default. We are going to see all three of those. But governments have had more and more and more power because they've spent more and more and more money and we literally are in end game where they've spent as much money as they could possibly spend, and the population is revolting as a result. When, when the Italian banking system goes under, that's pretty much going to be the end for the euro or the end of the EU. And uh, people are going to wake up one day and all the money in the bank are gone. So if you think we're starting a revolution now, it's going to get a whole lot worse. But you are going to see capital controls in Venezuela. You're going to see capital controls in India. 
and you're going to see capital controls in the U.S. You know, it's clearly evident what you're what you're sharing, Bob, because I'm looking at the world and I see central banks. They're implementing negative interest rates. And then I hear, you know, pundits from the United States basically saying, well, look at the United States. We're increasing them. But then you have to remind everybody that there's a difference between real and nominal interest rates and you're still losing. And so do you have the effects of inflation, as you mentioned, and the central banks, they're just devaluing the currency. Everything that you're saying, if someone just stops and looks, they can see the events unfolding. It's, it's clear. Well, here's what's interesting, and you read the book. That is exactly what uh, nobody knows anything was about. Okay, I'm encouraging people to wake up, smell the roses, look around, see for themselves, and take some responsibility for their own decisions. Everybody in government is lying, and they're lying all of the time. Truly unfortunate. You know, Bob, in times like these, it's when the citizenry of these countries begin to discern the difference between money, which is gold and silver, and currency. What piece of wisdom would you like to convey to listeners regarding why you hold precious metals? We, we have a world that is awash in debt. <clears throat> the only money that has no corresponding uh, call on it from anyone else is gold and silver. And it would be a good idea for everybody to have some gold and silver. And I'm not saying gold's going to go to $50,000 an ounce, silver's going to $25,000 an ounce. I have no idea of what it's going to do. I just know when the financial system collapses, and we know it's going to, that uh, you want to have some real money. Now, does this as well apply to platinum and palladium? Of course. Yeah, thank you for conveying that because we have uh, precious metals investors from all sides of the story, and we tend to forget about platinum and palladium. Uh, well, here's, here's what's crazy, Maurice. It's going to be true of everything that's real. Okay, it's going to be true of copper. It's going to be true of lead. It's going to be true of zinc. It's going to be true of oil. It's going to be true of wheat. When when all of the paper assets go to their real value, which is zero, you're going to want something of real value. And platinum, palladium, rhodium, gold, silver are the most portable and, and most liquid. You know, sticking with precious metals, how does the natural resource space look under President-elect Trump? Oh, I, I can't answer that. I, I think it's too broad a question. I will tell you that President Trump is either going to be the very best president in American history or the worst. And I don't know which. Some of the things that he's done already I think are brilliant. And some of the things uh, I've seen him do I think he's dumber than a brick. So we're just going to have to see. Well, if you combine the two, he'll be mediocre. <laughs> now, we've already had mediocre. We had mediocre in Bush. We had mediocre in Obama. Uh, Hillary Clinton, there is nothing, there is nothing in her entire background. You can look at her standing in the sun and she casts no shadow. Very well said. You know, Bob, last question. What did I forget to ask? Hmm. I don't, I, I think we've covered a lot of interesting things. Well, thank you. You know, Bob, if I may, I'm a strong advocate for being a generational steward. You know, for listeners, if you're seeking to enhance your financial IQ, 
I would strongly encourage you purchase for yourself and your loved ones two of my personal favorite books, The Art of Peace and Nobody Knows Anything. Bob, where can we get a copy? Uh, you can get them on Amazon, and I will make a comment here, a little bit of a sales pitch for those. When you read the books, the really important thing is to understand I wrote The Art of Peace in November of 2015, and I wrote Nobody Knows Anything in March 2016, and they are more current and more correct today than they were when I wrote them. There's some interesting stuff in there. And I think I've had 25 or 30 people say that uh, nobody knows anything is the best book on investing they've ever read. I, I personally have profited, and I can. that's a personal testament there for anyone listening. I've referenced it in my uh some of the blogs I've posted, so please take a look at those. You know, Bob, I have a six-year-old twins and uh, an eight-year-old, and I've purchased them each their own copy. Uh, as the books, they're not time-sensitive. They are generational, so I wanted to personally thank you. Okay, thank you very much, and thank the kids. I think that they will really appreciate that. I know they'll be looking forward to it as they get a little bit older. Uh, last but not least, we ask all listeners, please visit our website, www.provenandprobable.com. If you're seeking to protect your portfolio from demonetization through Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, we offer precious metals, offshore storage, and safe deposit boxes, which are fully insured and secured by Brinks and self-directed IRAs. Again, the website is www.provenandprobable.com. Bob Moriarty of 321 Gold and 321 Energy. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you very much, Maurice. Have a good day. All the best to you, sir. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Remember to like and subscribe for more conversations with the most respected names in the natural resource space. Check out our website at www.provenandprobable.com. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.